Hello and welcome to the News Roundup from FITV. I'm Johnny Burke. And I'm Catherine Daniels. Coming up on this week's programme, 100 years of the RBL, St Helena Day and a memory walk for dementia awareness. Tracy Evans, who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, has died. She was a well-known and loved member of the community and Tracy's selflessness and strength was reflected in the success of the charity fundraising dance she organised in December, which raised over £13,000. She died peacefully at home, surrounded by her friends and family on the 14th of May. Here she is speaking about the dance last year. I always knew that the Falklands community was extremely generous, but to actually be involved in something where you're directly receiving the the donations and the the raffle prizes and that and people offering raffle prizes it was just overwhelming how how generous people really really are it was all i hoped for and an awful lot more as well yeah it was an absolutely fantastic night in the summary court this week four cases were listed for first appearances Irene Greentree pleaded not guilty to a speeding charge and the trial was set for the 30th of June. Neville Haywood pleaded not guilty to a sexual touching charge. Crown Counsel Mr Stuart Walker set out the basics of the case so that the justices of the peace could decide whether to move the case to the magistrate's court. It was decided that the case remain in the summary court. The two-day trial has been set for the 21st of July to allow for Mr Haywood's defence advocate to travel to the Falklands. Here's Paula with more from the summary court. Brad Roberts pleaded guilty to a charge of driving whilst intoxicated. The police had noticed that Mr Roberts smelled of alcohol as well as having glazed eyes and suspected him of still being drunk when they saw him on the morning of Sunday the 28th of March. Mr Roberts admitted that he had been drinking the night before and that he had driven his car that morning. The police breathalyzed him and found that he was still over the limit for alcohol. In defence, Miss Alison Ingalls said that it had been a classic case of the morning after the night before, but Miss Ingalls pointed out there was no accident and nor was there any damage. Mr Roberts was extremely remorseful, she said. Mr Roberts was fined a total of £900, including court costs. His licence was endorsed and he was banned from driving for three years. In the final case in the summary court on Wednesday was Mount Pleasant-based Mr Leon Bridge. Mr Bridge was charged with assault by beating, to which he pleaded guilty. Although the victim of the assault was unwilling to assist the police in the matter, witnesses had seen Mr Bridge walk over to the victim and punch him in the face. When questioned by police, Mr Bridge admitted that he'd hit the victim, recalling a dispute but not the details. Mr Bridge, who represented himself, apologised many times in court, saying that it had been out of character for him. Mr Bridge was fined a total of £390, including costs. The inquest into the death of Tri Priyuji continued in the coroner's court on the 14th of May. Here's Hannah with more. Her Majesty's Coroner, Mrs Sarah Whitby, opened the proceedings by reminding the court that the job of the hearing is not to assign blame, but simply find out facts. Mrs Whitby asked questions of the ship's captain, Shen Chung Nan, and crewman, Mr Muhadi, who both came to give evidence voluntarily. Mr Priyogi was a crewmate on the Taiwanese jigger, the Jai Far No. 2, when he fell ill and died 15 days later. Speaking through a translator, Captain Chen Chung Nan said that he had isolated the ill seaman when he had a bad cough and had administered flu medicine. 
Two other crewmates kept watch on him across day shifts and night shifts. It was said that Mr. Progi seemed to be recovering from his illness. On the day before he died, Mr. Progi's friend Muhadi said he seemed weaker when he went to visit him. The inquest has been adjourned until the 8th of June. Changes to the immigration bill are expected to go through Executive Council this month and we'll see some changes to how people can work in the Falklands without status or a permanent residency permit. We spoke to Programme Director of Customs and Immigration, Jim Horton, about the changes. So with the uh, immigration bill, which is going to Exco this month, the work permits changes will mean that there's only one permit required. There's only one work permit required and potentially multiple jobs can be taken on that work permit. Um, if that work permit holder brings a dependent with them, that dependent will be on a, an accompanying dependent permit and that permit will allow them to work also in certain cases. So again, one permit, one person. With the Falklands coming to the end of its tourism season, companies are now looking forward to what next year will bring with regards to tourists. Currently, anyone visiting the Falkland Islands must quarantine for 14 days on arrival, and this has understandably put many visitors off travelling here. Not only tourists, but also professionals visiting for work purposes. In a meeting a few weeks ago, the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Rebecca Edwards, mentioned a possible reduction in quarantine measures, and last week a report was published with regards to the de-escalation of COVID measures now that the infection rates were dropping and around 94% of the Falklands population was vaccinated. Emily Teslin Barkman told us what is involved in the decision to reduce quarantine time. Uh, we had a, a meeting earlier this week actually looking at some of the, the data sets that we'll need to understand before we um, look at kind of amending the quarantine requirements. So actually our economist and our, our policy team, in, including our statistician Maeve Daly, have been involved in compiling uh, a lot of kind of Public Health England data, but also some of the uh, information about infection rates, transmission rates, and specific data uh, in understanding the AstraZeneca vaccine and its role that it, it, it's playing in, in, in helping reduce the transmissibility of the coronavirus. So I think that information was incredibly, incredibly useful and is going to be kind of integral to how we look at a de-escalation of, of COVID measures going forward. Um, as to when any decision will be taken, I, I can't point to that exactly, but there is certainly work going on to help ensure that we're not going to take any decisions that put the public at any risk. Next year sees the 40th anniversary of the Falklands conflict and to commemorate the year, a committee has been set up to organise events. We caught up with Phil Rendell, chair of the committee, who told us more about the plans. Well, we started uh, meeting the late last year and we're already in May in 2021. So it's starting to shape up a bit of a programme, but there's a lot of unknowns still, of course, with travel and a lot, quite a lot of uncertainties. Uh, but we want to make it uh, a bit of a year of, of, of celebration, commemoration, of course, but also with the COVID. I think everybody in the Falklands, too, has been affected, even though nothing like as affected as other parts of the world. So we're hoping to have events throughout the year, not just the key dates such as Landing Day, Liberation Day and Remembrance Sunday. Uh, and hopefully uh, it will start to come together I think in June we will be given a budget by the Falkland Island government uh, and we can start to firm some of the programs up. 
around the key dates, we'll certainly want to, to, uh, to, to uh, celebrate our, our liberation and the modern Falklands. So we'll be getting involved with, with young folks and looking at uh, social events as well as uh, the more the commemorative uh, uh, gatherings as well. Uh, and I think that'll be the theme throughout throughout the year. And we're going to, we're wanting to reach out to different organizations and groups who are already planning things during the year and we perhaps can give it a 40th theme. Uh, that, that's something we're, we're, we're getting engaged with. The nominations have opened for the next recipient of the Queen's Certificate and Badge of Honour. His Excellency the Governor Nigel Phillips told us more about the award and how to nominate someone. The window is now open for nominations for the 2021 Queen's Certificate and Badge of Honour. The closing date for the window will be the 30th of June this year. The award recognises individuals connected to the Falkland Islands for their loyalty and meritorious conduct in the service of the local community. The Queen's Certificate and its accompanying Badge of Honour is awarded by the Governor on the advice of Executive Council. All medals are important and I thought it might be worth quoting from Winston Churchill. The object of presenting medals, stars and ribbons is to give pride and pleasure to those who have deserved them. At the same time, a distinction is something that not everyone possesses. If all do, it has less value. A medal glitters, but it also casts a shadow. So let me ask you now, please think of those in the community who merit the recognition in this way. And please contact Cherie Clifford at the Assembly and let her know why the person you feel should be nominated has merited the community's recognition. If you've been walking past a town hall on a Sunday morning, you may have heard some wonderful singing. Paula went along to investigate. We are um, a church called Interdenominational Christian Fellowship. So basically, it's um, it's a we ha we come from many different churches, um, but we all believe in the same same God, in the same Jesus Christ that Jesus died on the cross for every one of us. So because of our faith uh, coming together, we just decided to be meeting. Though we are different, coming from different denominations, that's why we call it interdenominational Christian fellowship because we are all Christians and we believe in in the same God. So we just decided to gather here in the Falkland Islands. Firstly, it was uh, mostly Zimbabweans, but uh, now we want to welcome anyone who is willing to come and worship and fellowship with us. So if somebody did want to come along to this, what, what should they do? Uh, nothing, just uh, present yourself and come walk into the church. They will, will give you somewhere nice to sit and then yeah, whatever happens there, if you want to join, you just join. If you want to just sit and watch, you can just sit and watch. Back in 1502, on the 21st of May, an island was discovered off the coast of Africa. It was named Santa Helena, after the Saint Helena of Constantinople. Since 1945, the people of Saint Helena have celebrated their national day on the 21st of May. The Falkland Islands have close ties with Saint Helena, and at the last census, 
10% of the population was made up of people born in St. Helena. We spoke to Carl Stroud and Lucille Constantine about growing up there and how they celebrate this special day. My name's Carl Stroud. Um, I'm the general manager here at the Melvina and I've been here now 19, so over 19 years. Um, my name is Lucille and I first came to the Falklands in April 2008. Um, but I did move away from St Helena in 1999. Yeah, St Helena was always fun, we, we had nice weather so we, we used the outdoors quite a lot. And you know, St Helena's day was, was always a, a big day for, for us all, you know, it was a big sort of carnival get-together happy times and, and um, yeah, so yeah, I got lots of, lots of good memories and, and family still on St. Helena, yeah. On the day itself, it was a public holiday, so we didn't go to school and um, it was an all-day celebration and something to look forward to every year and sort of remembering our heritage and how we started, really. So we'd normally start off with um, like a parade um, where all the uniformed organisations would get together and have a parade and a service um, in the capital, Jamestown, and then after that it would be um, a procession of floats, um, everybody sort of paraded down the main street. It's very family oriented, you know, so things for kids to do and, 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 and family as a whole, so, so it was always a, a big day for St Helena, yeah. This week has been Dementia Awareness Week with a number of events for the community to go to to understand more about this condition. Johnny went along to the memory walk on Saturday morning and caught up with one of the organisers, Louise Taylor. So I just want to say thank you to everybody for coming along today. The idea is... We have been out walking up Tumbledown and William, so it's all about linking the concept of walking, healthy living and being together as a group and doing some walking. So these are called memory walks and I know for sure that they happen in the UK. They have run memory walks in the UK, all to do with raising awareness for dementia and Alzheimer's disease and raising money alongside. There were some interesting parts on the trail where it is quite damp and wet but I think overall the weather's been kind to us yes. and so I'm hoping that now this is an event that we can build on in future years and anybody who's got any feedback they would like to give me about how they think it went today and how we could possibly increase participation and I think you've always got to look for ways to improve things so maybe things that we could do better if we do this again next time I'd be really interested to hear people's feedback. The Royal British Legion celebrated a birthday last weekend as it is a hundred years since they first formed. We went along to the celebratory tea dance and spoke to the chair of the Falklands branch of the RBL, Captain Chris Locke, about the organisation and its work. So at nine o'clock in the UK, the National President of the Royal British Legion laid a wreath at the Cenotaph at Whitehall to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the formation of the Royal British Legion. All overseas branches and the branches in the UK to symbolise this formation were asked to do the same. And that's why at nine o'clock on Saturday, I lay a wreath on behalf of the Falklands branch of the Royal British Legion to commemorate the 100th anniversary. 
so to continue with the celebrations of the RBL's 100th anniversary, um, the Royal British Legion held a tea dance in the town hall. And this was uh, sort of carrying on with the theme of the 1920s idea that when the Legion was formed, um, it was a terrific success. We had over 150 people that came and had teas and cakes, and we did some dancing, and I think it was just a, a lovely occasion. I'd like to thank everybody who first of all came along to the tea dance to support the event, but also to my, my band of happy helpers, uh, the, the committee, the Broadbridge Legion Committee, the branch here, uh, to my dear wife Nancy who made a splendid cake, uh, which was cut by the, sort of the eldest person there and the youngest person. I think that was that went down rather well. Um, but also in the back, you've got uh, people washing up. Um, there's so many people who've helped. It's it's, it's difficult to name everybody, but um, it really was a, a, a lovely affair. I mean, it was, it was great. So thank you everybody who helped and everybody who came along. In week four of the darts, Otto's outlaws are still top of the board especially as they completely trounced the poor darts of hazards, 15 legs to nil. Scuds remain in the number two spot as they didn't play a game this week but have six points. Close matches between the Bottlers and Globe Boys. The Globe Boys won that one 9-6, causing the Bottlers to slip down to sixth place. And it was also 9-6 to the Rosellas over Mugs Away. Darts of hazard are still at the bottom and yet to get a point. That's it for this week's News Roundup. If you would like to subscribe to FITV, you can watch via the KTV broadcast or online through our website, fitv.co.fk. Alongside this News Roundup, we also produce a light-hearted look at the week in our podcast, Meanwhile in the Falklands, which is also available on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Join us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.